Hi, welcome back to the Dead Ball area. So I want to discuss England's fly-off options of Farrell, Ford and Cipriani, but I think to do that we have to kind of look at England's attack and why I think Cipriani doesn't fit into Eddie Jones' plans. At the time of recording, the Premiership Finals have just finished, and spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, then Saracens hammered Gloucester 44-19 and Exeter absolutely walloped Northampton 42-12. The best two teams in the Premiership are meeting next week, and rightfully so. Now, whilst Saris versus Gloucester game was billed largely and unfairly by journalists as a winner-takes-all foul versus Cipriani head-to-head, I think the game was always about much more than that, for obvious reasons. But amidst all of that, both Farrell and Cipriani were kind of conspicuous. Like They both had moments, but neither had a particularly profound impact on the game, for my mind. Now, for Farrell, that's no big deal. He is at his best when he's a cog in a world team machine, which Saracens are, where Cipriani is more of a focal point for Gloucester. And when you have a 10 so important to the style of rugby you play, it's completely natural for him to stand out in his absence. But perhaps that gives a false impression of his game in the same way a dominant team might of the winning 10. Now, obviously, you can't dissolve a whole season into one game. And understandably, the calls for him to come back into the England squad have gone up a few more notches. And on face value, there's a lot of credit in these points. The fact is, he's playing well. And in winning Premiership Player of the Year, we can see how well regarded he is by his peers and the impact his presence has made on them since his move from Wasps to Gloucester. It's hard to deny they haven't benefited hugely from his input. Gloucester have long been an exciting attacking side, but with Cipriani in the team, they feel like, to me at least, a far more consistent attacking side. And Cipriani has also brought a level of tactical nails to the game that they just didn't seem to have before. He understands the importance of playing the percentages of controlling the game, and they've slowly worked up the places to finish deserved third. Now, I did a video on his ability to control the game early in the season, which is linked above and I think illustrates this point really well. In many ways, the Farrell versus Cipriani debate very much reminds me of the Andrew versus Barnes or the Mertens versus Spencer debates from the 90s. Understandably, Cipriani is the impartial's favourite, but the wild card in this debate for me at least is George Ford, who I think is far more important in the discussion around why Cipriani isn't selected. Many of the calls for Cipriani are based on the fact Ford has been playing in one of the worst Leicester teams for decades, and Farrell, whilst a fantastic 10 for Saracens, is seen as a one-dimensional play-by-numbers fly half. The main perceptions pushed in Cipriani's favour is that England need a creative fly-half to unlock opposition defences. They need a maverick either at 10 or on the bench. And if the game's in a position you need a flash of brilliance to win that, then your players can't produce, then you're kind of in trouble. And of course I see the appeal, but again I personally think there are two issues here. The first is England's choice of nine, the second is that of attack pan. And let's start with the second first and come back to the scrum half issue a little bit later on. I think England's attack is very one-dimensional when playing with structure off first receiver, and I don't see how Cipriani fits into that any better than anyone else. If I cast my mind back over Eddie Jones' tenure, one thing I've personally found with England is they've struggled to settle on one style of attacking. Throwing creative influences into that isn't going to solve the problems that England have. And because of that, they've started and started, and simply put, they need to decide on how they want to play, and I don't think throwing Cipriani into that solves the issue. Over the last seasons, we've seen them use multi-layered attacks with shielded runners and interpassing forward units, and then we've also seen them abandon that almost completely, and for the most part, revert straight up carrying the ball off of nine. Now, that might be them trying different attack patterns to see so that they can switch up the game, but I, I think basically they're struggling to find uh, a style that suits them that they can really impose on the opposition. Eddie Jones also loves a decision-making nine. Uh, Nick Bishop wrote a brilliant article for Green and Gold Rugby around Jones's preference to have the attack running off of nine. Um, I'll link it in the com- I'll link it in the uh, description below. And we've largely seen this play out for England. 
Earlier on, England coupled this with a distributing 12 that can fix the first defender and play out the back to the 10. And whilst they weren't brilliant at it, with guys like Mako and Billy Vunapola, Itoje and Haskell in there, they all came from systems that used that pattern and they were really effective. But with that, when they struggled to go over the gain line, I think they largely abandoned it because of how lateral it then seemed to make their outside backs. And something that's really important with a player sliding around the back like that is that they must then threaten the next defender out. And this is where Ford and Cipriani really come into it. If you watch rugby league, you'll be familiar with this style of play. And it just means they push up on the defender and make him make a decision. Both of them play that role really well, but a team looking to play like this requires balance on the outside channels. And largely, that's not something we've seen much of with England. Over the last four years, they've gone between a midfield of Teo, Joseph, Fowle and Slade, and two Lange's coming to it in the equation only in the last year. And then coming back to that attack pattern of the three tens in the discussion, Cipriani is hands down the best at them in this kind of attack pattern. He fitted into it perfectly at Wasps with Gopper for 12. And it's clear to see how when he moved to Gloucester, they quickly settled into this with 12 Trees and Atkinson, both able to act as those hard-running late distributors, both able to play right up on the defensive line. And that allows Cipriani to come around the corner, pull up on the next defender and pass out the back late or flat. And Ford is also excellent at playing that pattern. And whilst Leicester struggled all season, when Ford and Tamu were both on the field, they looked very, very good running these hinged attack patterns. Similarly, when England ran Farrell at 12, Ford was happy to slot into the role of the second-line distributor, leaving Young to act as the primary tactician controlling the flow of the game. And this is where things get a little more uncertain with Cipriani, I think. For Gloucester, Cipriani is very much the general, and it's difficult to see how he can fit in outside a decision-making nine like Young's. That's not to say Hines doesn't make decisions, but very much England's game is controlled and the flow of the game comes from nine, both when it's Young's and, both, and, and, Cipri- and, sorry, and Danny Kerr. It's also difficult to see who plays outside him. With Ford, you have an obvious choice in Farrell, even if uh, it's a little less clear. And outside Farrell, you have Tao Tulangi at 12 with Slade or Joseph at 13, even if you know it fits together, even if I'm not the greatest fan of the latter. My preference being a ball-playing 12. But who do you play at 12 and 13 outside Cipriani? And that picture is a little less clear to me. On the flip side of that, England's back three options suit the multi-layered attack. Having a midfield that fixes and holds the defence allows players like Daly and Watson to attack the defensive edge with their pace, something I felt we could have seen a lot more of in the Six Nations. One issue that both Cipriani and Ford struggle with by playing that floating second receiver role is that they can struggle against a truly aggressive defence. And we saw this with Saracens. They pushed up and clouded the outside edge of the attack, meaning Cipriani couldn't get around to fix the outside defender. And as a result, Gloucester started looking for those deep passes to try and get outside Saracens' defence, rather than running short runners on the inside of that defensive press. And at times, Cipriani also ended up running laterally, rather than pressuring the outside defender as the defender had all the momentum. Similarly, England can struggle to get on the front foot. And when they do, that attack system can lose its effectiveness. And this is why Saracens and England look to use their nine to slow defences and play the pods right on the gain line. That kind of attacking shape lends to... You know, it lends itself to a distributing 10 like Farrell over a line attacking 10 like Cipriani. And I think Ford sits somewhere in the middle of both players. And for me, he's actually the best attacking fit for Jones's style of rugby. So I'd like to see England go back to that multi-layered attack structure in the midfield. But to do that, they'll need to be able to get over the gain line more consistently, which is something they've not been able to do. And I think that's a reason why Cipriani hasn't figured so much. It's a slightly longer discussion, but their persistence use of one-out runners needs to change. We saw glimpses of guys like Sinclair and Macavanapolo distributing from the point to a second runner outside, and it caused havoc. So in many ways, until that issue is addressed, it doesn't make a huge deal of difference. They won't look far outside of Farrell. 
And the last point that needs to be considered on the fly-half debate is their relative experience. It's hard to look past the fact George Ford has 55 England caps and Farrell's 70-plus four Lions caps. Cipriani has only 16. Now, granted, he's got years of experience behind him, but within that, he's never really won anything. Yeah, sure, he won Heineken Cup in 2007, but he was playing at 15 and not 10. And outside of that, he's never been in the team or guided the team to real silverware. Ford, on the other hand, has won the Grand Slam playing at 10, and Farrell's won the Premiership and the European Cup from 10. At 12, he's also got a Grand Slam, drawn a Lions test and whitewashed Australia. Ford's obviously got that Australia series win as well. And that level of experience on the big stage is really important. You look at Ford and Farrell with the 130 caps between them, and, you know, they still don't look the finished article. So abandoning all that experience for Cipriani is a huge risk for the management. And this is despite the fact I think both Cipriani and Ford for me are better tacticians than Farrell. They see the whole pitch and both are fantastic sweeping kicks. Whereas Farrell for me is 100% a systems player when he slots in at 10. And it's a shame because like everyone else I'm a massive fan of Cipriani. That doesn't mean I would think he should replace Ford or Farrell in the England squad. Um... And whilst I think we'll see him in that wider England training squad, I think his chance of being on the plane to Japan are slim to none. And that's it for me this week. And what do you think? Should he be on the plane? If so, who would you leave out of the squad and why? Let me know in the comments either here or on Twitter or Facebook. And finally, just to say, a lot has been happening for me over the last six or seven months that's seen the channel on a bit of a hiatus. And real life has crept in and things have just generally had to take a, you know, go on the back burner. But the aim is to get everything back up and running for the World Cup. So keep an eye out for future casts and analysis videos and articles. Um, thanks for listening. Take care until next time. Don't forget you can catch me on Facebook, Twitter, at the Deadpool area. Bye.